It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shoei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. Happy Friday, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. My name is Jeff Carr. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. For today, for Phone in Friday, we've got Doug Gray. He's come in to talk about Nick Senzel, the whole Super 2 thing, and we're going to look at his post about the Reds' player development issues over the last several years. But before we get to that, make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Himalaya. Also, check us out social media, Lockdown Reds, and at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and then head on over to LockdownReds.com. Let's get to it. For today's Phone It In Friday, I have with me the man in charge of Red Leg Nation and the founder of RedsMinorLeagues.com. He is the one, the only... Doug Gray. Doug, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing pretty well. Kind of watching the Reds a little bit as we're talking tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday night, so it is the tumultuous... Right now it's 2-1 to one Atlanta, and, uh, you know, Scott Shebler just kind of killed a little bit of a rally there, but poor guy, I mean... We'll start off with Shebler. What do you think of Shebler? When Sinzel is ready, do you think they consider sending him down? I mean, if I'm going to be 100% honest right now, I mean, Sinzel's ready. So I I know that this is, I mean, they might be looking at it as, as quote-unquote a, a rehab thing without actually calling it that because they don't need to because 
he's not on the roster. Um, I I think that he, I mean, realistically, it depends on how long they want to wait. If they decide to call up Sindel before Matt Kemp is healthy, well, then no, I think Philip Irvin will be the guy that goes down. But if they wait long enough for uh, Matt Kemp to come back, then I, I think you kind of have to. I, I think that he's got to be the guy because, I, I mean, you're going to push somebody to the bench in the outfield when you call up uh, Nick Senzel, right? Right. So are you going to make that the guy that has options or the guy that doesn't have options and you owe, I don't know, what do they owe Kemp? It's like $12 million is like what the Reds are actually paying of his salary at this point. Uh, I mean, it, you're, the decision is pretty simple. And it's unfortunate for Scott Shebler because, I mean, I, I feel like that we can make the argument that he's the better player between him and Matt Kemp. But if it comes down to they're both going to be bench players when you call up Senzel, and one has options and one doesn't, and one's owed $12 million more than the other, I mean, that's a simple move to make for anybody. Fair or unfair. That's, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy for me to see. Let's jump into Senzel. He's really done... Uh, what I think, at least, a diplomatic job whenever people ask him the obvious question in so many different words. How, what kind of gauge do you get from him? How does he feel about what's going on? I mean, I, I think that Nick feels a lot of the same way that most of the fans feel, that he's ready to play in the major leagues right now. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's going about it in a very professional manner. As you said, when people ask him about it, he, he says the right things. And I, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a good sign for his maturity and his understanding. Uh, but I, I think that you can kind of sense it too, um, that you know he feels that he's ready to play in the major leagues. And uh, I mean, I, when you think about professional athletes, they're all confident for the most part, um, because I mean, that's one they've almost all been the best dude around for their entire lives. Um, and the ones that haven't, they have been in the in the later part of their lives. Um, so they're, they're all going to have that confidence that, you know, they can get it done. Um, but Nick not only believes that he can, he, I mean, he has gotten it done too. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, he's doing and saying the right things, but I think that he also feels that, you know, he should be in Cincinnati and he probably should have been in Cincinnati last year. Doug got the chance to go down to Louisville Tuesday and got to watch Senzel's first start for the bats. I know he went one for five with a single, but we're not necessarily too worried about his bat. We think that's going to come along nice and easy. Like, how did he move around in center field? How did that ankle look? Uh, you know, I, I asked Nick about that after the game. During the game, he got tested in center field defensively where he needed a full-out sprint for several baseballs. Looked fine to me. Uh, he had an infield ground out where he had to you know, get out of the box and get going. Um, and it looked fine to me. I asked him about it after the game. He said he felt fine. He felt healthy. Um, you know, he, he was, you know, he, he said, you know, we'll, we'll see how I feel tomorrow because I, I won't know until tomorrow how everything, you know, responds. But he was back in the lineup tonight. He's one for three with a double. The game's currently in a rain delay, and I don't know if they're going to continue the game after this. It's raining pretty hard in Louisville right now. Um, but I, it, it seems like it felt fine tonight. So. Um, you know, uh, ho hopefully it's behind him at this point, but he, he looked good out in the field last night, uh, in terms of, you know, getting moving, you know, looked full speed. I mean, I didn't have a stop. My stopwatch didn't get pulled out for his defensive or things or, but, uh, looked fine to me. 
He looked like he had a lot of good speed in center field and on the base paths during spring training, so definitely hope that ankle doesn't take anything away from him. And, I mean, even if it does, it's just going to be something short-term. But, like, what happened is not a long-term injury. There there wasn't anything torn in there. He didn't break a bone. Like, none, none of that happened. So, I mean, if he is, quote-unquote, down a step right now, which, again, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying if he is, it's not going to be something that's going to last very long at all. So, with him, I mean, and I agree with you. I mean, I think... Obviously, he should have started this year in the major leagues anyway, much less go through all of this stuff in AAA. What what are the dreaded chances that the Reds play with this Super 2 idea? You know... I know we don't want to think about that because that sucks, but, you know. I, I, I don't think that they will. Um... And the reason I say that is they'd have to keep Nick Senzel down probably for the next five weeks to be totally on the safe side, maybe even six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think they can do that with one, the way that the current Reds outfield is playing. Uh, two, you know, for as, as much as I love Jesse Winker, Jesse Winker is absolutely in no way, shape, or form a center fielder. No. And they're running him out there as a starting center fielder twice a week. I mean, you, you just cannot sell that anybody and keep a, keep a straight face Not that somehow Nick Senzel isn't a better option in center field than Jesse Winker. No, I totally, so, I totally I, agree with you there. <laughs> I mean, if, if Nick Senzel had not recovered with the ankle injury as quickly as he did, if it had been kind of that initial diagnosis where, you know, when it first happened, they were thinking he was going to be out, uh, you know, he was going to miss four or five, six weeks of the season, then maybe because he wouldn't, at that point, he wouldn't come back until, you know, mid-May. Yeah, at that point, you can kind of be like, okay, well, he's he needs a quote-unquote week of rehab, and then you only have to wait another week or so to call him up and beat that Super 2 date. But, you know, he came up on April 23rd. Now, that's five weeks of keeping him down and saying that, you know, Jesse Winker's the better option, you know, Scott Shebler's the better option, Matt Kemp is the better... No, you, you just can't make those arguments. Now, uh, we've seen some crazy things, so, I mean... Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got, you know, they, the Blue Jays announced today that they're calling him up on Friday. Mm-hmm. Well, they're doing that. They, they First off, he should have been in the major leagues last year. And right. then he got hurt in spring training, so they didn't call him up, you know, put him on the opening day roster. But they waited several days because they weren't at home and they wanted to get the home gate. But then the Toronto Maple Leafs were in the NHL playoffs when they did return home. So they didn't call him up immediately for that either. And that's just crazy. Like I just uh, so teams out there are doing really dumb, weird things that aren't about trying to win the most baseball games when it comes to these minor league players. So, I I mean, nothing would be shocking, but I'd be pretty surprised if the Reds kept him down for the next six weeks to try and beat that Super Two. At that point, the Blue Jays are almost admitting to themselves that the season started too early, aren't they? (laughs) I mean, oh. I tell you, you're you're, you're 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 oh my Jeff, you are gonna get me, my friend. You are gonna get me going. <laughs> I definitely don't mean to, but I wouldn't mind seeing that happen either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I I will ask you because I kind of broached the subject the other day on the podcast, and then found myself in a mental pretzel of my own making. The super two thing, like from a high level overview, to me that looks like it's more just 
manipulation of arbitration years. Is that essentially what we're looking at? It, with the Super 2, to, to explain it, it's... So, players that have more than two years of service time, but less than three years of service time, are not arbitration eligible. You know, when players go to arbitration, they get awarded for their production over their first three years of Major League service time. Mm-hmm. And then they get, you know, X percentage um, of what they are deemed to be "Quote unquote worth uh, in years three or in, in years four, five, and six. So sorry, I'm sorry, I misspoke earlier. It's between years three and four, um, okay. and you know that's when the teams go to arbitration and the player brings in like, hey, you know, we're asking for two point one million dollars, and the team comes back and says, well, we we're only willing to pay you one point eight, and then a judge slash arbitrator decides, okay, this side wins. They're they have to pick one of the two numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, that's the first chance that a player gets to, you know, make an argument that he's worth more than the league minimum, no matter what they do. Um, but for a small percentage of players, uh, it's 22% of the players with the most service time between years three and four, they get that extra year of arbitration. They get to qualify for arbitration a year early. So they'll actually get four years of arbitration before free agency rather than three. So they get to make more money over the course of their pre-free agent years. Um, and so teams do try and manipulate that a little bit because it'll save them a couple million dollars over the course of the next four years. That, 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 that's kind of the breakdown of what the Super 2 is and why teams do manipulate it. It's interesting because when it comes to the understanding of player values, um, it it kind of came up tonight, like I said, we're recording this on Wednesday night, kind of came up on tonight's broadcast, of the, you know, the trend lately of teams buying out players' arbitration years. That way they don't have to worry about them, they don't have to, you know, go to arbitration, do all this other stuff, they just slap that contract down and say, this is what we think you're worth, it's more than what you're making now. And there's a lot of people out there that are just saying, boom, they should take it right then and there. Like, I mean, come on, that's more than we're ever going to make. Why is that the wrong way of thinking? Well, just because it's more than you'll ever make doesn't mean that it's fair for the player. I mean, they they have value. The reason that the Cincinnati Reds are worth $1.1 billion is because of the players on the team. Right. And, well, I mean, you know, the stadium that the team didn't pay for. Um, <laughs> So to to say, oh well, I, you know the player isn't worth that amount. If if the players don't get that money, it just goes to the owner. Like they're not gonna just start letting fans into the games for free and having free beers and whatever. Like it's not it's not how that's gonna work. Um, last year, Major League Baseball made ten point three billion dollars in revenue. Now that's not net profit; that's revenue, but. That's $10.3 billion to spread out to everybody employed by Major League Baseball. There's a lot of money to go around. So just take your $4 million a year and be happy about it because I only make $30,000 a year. It's not a good argument. It's just not. Uh, And I'm with you. And I I thought, because normally I, I feel like Chris Wells, she's much more thought out than what he said. And I think that in a vacuum, obviously, is not the best kind of a comment that you can make. But at the same time, if you kind of look at everything else, I think he thinks things out a little bit better than what he said here. 
But basically what he was saying was that because these guys aren't American, they don't understand the value of American dollars. And that was just that was just so goofy. Well, I think that there was there was a lot of weird things going on. And I don't think that Chris Welsh meant the way that it can be taken. Um, But basically what he was saying is that, you know, the Atlanta Braves offered a guy from poor kid from Curacao thirty five million dollars. And he didn't know that he doesn't know the difference between 35 and 85 million dollars. So why would he not take 35? Now, I don't think that he meant ill will towards Ozzy Albies when he sure. said that. Sure. But the fact is, he should have been saying something poorly about the Braves, who clearly took advantage of Ozzy Albies in this situation because that is life changing money for Ozzy Albies, his family, and his family's family, and their family's family. Like, they're going to be okay for generations. But Ozzy Albies probably is worth $250 million over the course of his contract. Right. And he got 35. Um, There's the mean, same the, issue with Ronald Acuna. There was a lot of people thinking that he could have made more. Yeah, he could have. He should have. And he got $100 million. That's how bad the Ozzy Albies contract was. Like, it, it might be the worst or second worst contract ever signed in professional sports. Um, but you just, the way that he presented it was bad enough, but you also just, you can't say the, say it the way he did. You just, you just can't. There, there are so many things that are kind of, you, they take you back a little bit. You, you, you shouldn't have settled in the first place, but then he said like three of them in the same, same kind of paragraph there. Uh, it was not a good look. Let's talk a minute about BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has an introductory offer for the Locked On Reds listeners. You just go to BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, and enter promo code MLB for a free introductory offer. You just pay $5 in shipping, and it gets sent straight to your door. What BlueChew is is a generic form of Viagra. It has the same, you know, the same uh, active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, and it's in a chewable form, so it works faster. It's the kind of thing that if you want a performance boost in the bedroom, it's going to get you what you want in a quick way. That's bluechew.com. Enter promo code MLB for a free introductory offer. BlueChew.com is a sponsor of the Locked On Reds podcast, and we thank them for sponsoring today's episode. This Locked On podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and 
free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Well, I'll tell you, we kind of got off the rails there, so I'll, <laughs> I'll pull it back. I, I just had a thought and wanted to follow it through there, but um, you wrote a piece on RedsMeyerLeagues.com, and it was awesome, talking about the Reds' player development and really lack thereof for the periods between 2012 and 2017. And I really enjoyed reading that, and if you guys have not read that, definitely head on over to RedsMinorLeagues.com and check it out. Really worth your time. It shows that the Reds have been the third worst team. There's only two other teams in the major leagues that are worse than them at developing from within. And you had like dollar values assigned to each, or or the the study that you uh, were looking at had assigned the dollar values. How does that work? Does that say like, you know, essentially their lack of development has cost them $182 million? Uh, pretty much. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily straightforward like that. There's a lot of things that kind of go into that, which would be tough to really dive into and keep this podcast under an hour <laughs> over. And I don't think we want to run that long, sure. but but yeah, I mean, the, the difference between the best team and the worst team was like $750 million in value over a seven-year period between, between 2012 and 2018, which is mind-numbing when you really think about it. Right. Um, and basically, it, between the trades and the international signings and the drafting, the Reds have gotten a serious lack of value compared to what you should have been expecting to get. Um, based on when they acquired those players. Um, now, when I look at it, now there was not a breakdown within there on you know what players were worth what amount of dollars, good or bad. Um, but just from what I can think of looking at it, I, I think that a lot of that negative value comes from the bad trades that the Reds made. Um, you know, if you look at what they basically haven't gotten out of the Johnny Cueto trade which looked great at the time. It just, it has not worked out to this point. And the absolute nothingness that they got in the Aroldis Chapman trade, I would not be surprised if a large chunk of that negative value comes from just those two trades. Mm -hmm. um, because when you acquired Brandon Finnegan and Cody Reed, they were top 100 prospects who, I mean, they provided $10 million in value when realistically you probably should have gotten 80 to $90 million in value from them. Right. Uh, the Aroldis Chapman trade brought back four guys, some of them more highly ranked than others, but you literally got nothing. You got negative value out of them mm. when you should have been able to get at least some positive value out of them. Um, you know, it, it's just, and you know, one, 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 one trade that's in there that, you know, may have a lot to do with, they traded away Didi Gregorius. Uh, he was a top 100 prospect in at the end of 2012 when they traded him, and that's just at the that's at the borderline of when the study started. And you know he was he was a quality prospect, so I don't know the exact value situation there because you know the Reds are being credited a little bit with his development, so to speak. But you know he went on to provide you know 16 and a half WAR after he left. That probably doesn't you know look the best on the Reds deal. So. Um, you know, they, they didn't exactly have the best drafts between 2012 and 2014. 
2012, they selected Nick Travieso in the first round, and he looked good through Double A, but he hurt his shoulder, and he hasn't pitched since 2016. And uh, now he he is healthy now, and he's pitching in Arizona um, in extended spring training. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him soon. Um, but they've gotten no major league value out of him so far. 2013 is you know they've got Philip Irvin and uh, Michael Lorenzen from that draft. Um, I mean Philip Irvin so far has been a fourth outfielder who's kind of shuffled back and forth. Michael Lorenzen's been a solid reliever and a good hitter, but again, you're talking a less than five war for his career. Um, you know, 2014, they selected Nick Howard, who got a case of the yips and then hurt his shoulder. He's provided no major league value whatsoever. So you got three drafts in a row that have provided less value than the guy that the Reds didn't sign in 2013 when they drafted him out of high school, Andrew Benintendi. Um, in fact, Andrew Benintendi has more war in his entire career than every single draft pick the Reds have made from 2012 to 2018. That blew my mind when I saw that. I was like, holy crap. Here's another fun one for you. Matt Boyd, who, me, personally, I couldn't tell you what major league team he plays for, was drafted by the Reds. They didn't sign him. He's got more career war than every single draft pick that the Reds have from 2012 to 2018. Only reason I know that name is fantasy baseball, but you're right. Other than that, it's like the most like just normal. Like if you throw that name out there, you're like you're making that up. That's not a real name. Like you right, just... like that. That's your friend that lives down the street. Yeah. <laughs> and and so like it 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 has it was not a good stretch there, and that's the very start of the study. But if you look at 2015, you know they drafted two of their top six prospects: Tony Santion, Tyler Stevenson. Both of them look really good, and they're in Double A, but they're both. They just turned 22 years old this year. They provided no major league value. The next year is the year they drafted Nick Sinzel. The next year they drafted Hunter Green. The next year they drafted Jonathan India. Those guys, none of those guys are in the major leagues yet. And so the Reds haven't really been able to reap the benefits of those, what seem like good draft picks. And so right now, this study says that the Reds have been terrible. And I don't think that we can argue against that too much. I mean, I, it, within the article, I note all of the players that the Reds signed on the international front from 2012 to 2018 that have been on the roster for even a single day. Here's the list. Are you ready? Here we go. Right, Rysel Iglesias. That's the end of the list. <laughs> That's not a lot. One player. Now, they have had a few international signings make the team, but they signed before 2012. Now, if you signed a guy in 2012 on the international market, they were 16 or 17 years old. So they'd be 24, 25 right now. So the second half of this hasn't really given much time, especially for international guys, because they were all signed as 16 or 17-year-olds, to really develop. So I think that if you look at this kind of study and say 10 more years, the numbers are going to look a little bit different. The Reds are probably going to look a little bit better, because they're going to have guys like Trammell and Stevenson, Tony Santion, Nixon Zell. You know, they're not all going to just not do anything. Somebody from that group is going to be a high-quality major leaguer, I'd imagine. I, I think that we all feel comfortable in that. And right now, they're not really getting that. But I bet a lot of other teams also have guys that are highly regarded in their farm system. Maybe not as much so as the Reds have at the top end of their farm system. I mean, the Reds have you know five top 100 prospects right now that don't really count for giving them any value in this study. But they've all got a farm system that has legit prospects that aren't providing any quote-unquote value in this study. So I, I think that it tells us a little bit um, but the overall numbers 
are a little bit deceiving at this point just because there hasn't been enough time for at least half of the guys in this study to really develop. How are those international signings? Like I think of like Alfredo Rodriguez. How are those guys trending in the minors right now? Well, no, no disrespect to Alfredo Rodriguez, but nobody ever thought he was going to hit, and so far everybody's been right. Um, he's 25 years old. He's in Double A, and he he is hitting for an average this year, and it's been two weeks, so it doesn't really mean anything. He's walked six times. He struck out seven times, which is good. I mean, that, that's good to see. Uh, that's better than he's ever really done before. But again, it's been two weeks. Um, I'm I'm not convinced he's ever going to hit. Um, so that one I'm not exactly feeling good about. Uh, Vladimir Gutierrez, um, you know, I, I'm i still not convinced that he's going to be more than a number four, number five starter or a good reliever. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and especially, you know, for the money they, they signed him for, you know, that if that's what you get is a, a good reliever out of it, then that's a good signing. Um, but uh, he's the closest of the, the big three Cuban guys they signed a couple of years ago. Uh, he's in AAA right now. I, I really like the tools of Jose Garcia, but at the plate, he's still pretty raw. I mean, I, I think that based on how he played last season, a lot of people would say that he's trending down. I think that he's kind of stayed the same. I think the defense is actually better than advertised, but the bat is a little bit worse than advertised in the sense of where it's at right now or what you expected it to be right now. Um, but I think that from a tools perspective, the bat is, you know, it looks the way that you expected it to look in the future. Um, and so I, I think that the performance kind of cuts it back a little bit, but the the defensive side of things kind of gets it back, the overall package back to where you thought it was going to be. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully they can continue to develop some of these guys. And like you said, we'll, we'll see just how good we can get Senzel and Tremel and those guys, Santion, what we can get out of them. Um, hopefully here in the next couple of years, because it seems like there's a couple of young guys that could come up and make the Reds almost sort of look like the Braves, and the Braves got like that young roster all the way through. Maybe the Reds can look like that here in a year or two. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at the farm system, a lot of the guys that are the, the top-end guys, they're in double-A AA or triple-A right now. And so you, you kind of have to hope that, you know, hey, this is that next group. But at the same time, we could have said the same thing three years ago with guys like Robert Stevenson, Sal Romano, uh, you know, Amir Garrett, you know, guys that, you know, we generally all thought were going to be, you know, quality big league starters two years ago. And they're just they're not right now. I mean, they're, you've got two of those guys in the bullpen. One of them's back in triple-A pitching out of the bullpen. Cody Reed, you can you can say the same thing about him. He was dominating double, I mean, absolutely dominating double A three seasons ago. And he's back to pitching in triple A in the bullpen. I mean, it, it, with pitchers, it's a little bit different. I, I think that the scouting community is a little bit better at pegging who's going to be, be the, you know, the better hitters than they are the better pitchers. But still, you, you kind of have to, you know, look back at it and go, you know, we were kind of saying similar things a couple of years ago about the Reds farm system. And, you know, the, these guys are, they're on the verge and then, and then they weren't. Well, Hey, uh, Doug, I really appreciate your time, man. I thank you for coming on and talking with us. Uh, what kind of stuff you got cooking over at com and even at Red Leg Nation? 
Well, I'm about to uh, hit the road, actually. Uh, later this week, I'm going to... Heck, by the time that this goes live, I should be on the road. Um, I'll be spending another day in Louisville this week and taking in the Nick Sinzel show. And then I'll be hitting Chattanooga up to watch guys like Taylor Trammell, Tyler Stevenson, Tony Santion, TJ Friedel, those guys down in Chattanooga. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, I guess over the next week, that's kind of going to be what uh, what's brewing over on RedsMinorLeagues.com. And with Red Lake Nation, I don't know. I'm, 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 off, I'm off duty uh, for the next week or so from that. So let's, let, let's hope that uh, everybody else steps up on that one. <laughs> well, that's what's up, man. Hey, down in Chattanooga, you, just, you definitely got to see Rock City. Yeah, I, I don't do anything when I'm <laughs> traveling. I, I, I wake up, write about baseball, go to the ballpark and write about baseball, and then go back to the hotel and write about baseball. So. I'm, I'm just pulling your leg. There's so many billboards around Chattanooga talking about Sea Rock City. I've been there before. It's like the, the only one I whatever. remember in Chattanooga is Go See Ruby Falls. Like I, yep. that's the one that sticks out to me. Yep. Which, for the record, still have never seen Ruby Falls. <laughs> There's not much there, I promise you. <laughs> Doug, thank you, sir. We will talk to you again soon. All right, take care. Thanks for having me. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 